Welcome to Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and equips you to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 16.4, here's what it says. The Lord has made everything, watch here, for his own purpose. Let's read that together. For the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Now let's read it like we mean it. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. Translation, there is not one thing that God has created that does not have a purpose. More so when it comes to you and I, his children, he's created you with purpose. Okay, so let me answer this question of purpose and let me kind of do it a different way. If you were to look up the word drive, like driving a vehicle, whatever, in the dictionary, you would find that it says this when when defining it, to guide, to control, or to direct. That's the word drive. So for example, when you drive a car, you guide the car, you control the car, and you direct it down the street, hopefully. When you drive a nail, You drive it, you control it, and you direct it into the wood. When you drive a golf ball, hopefully, you drive and you control it directly down the fairway. Today's our golfing grub. I'm really hoping today I could drive that little white ball down the middle because the past three rounds have not been so nice and so good. You drive. Now, in life, everyone in this room, you're driven by something. Let's go to the, 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 the hard side or the bad side. You're driven by fear, maybe worry, anger, the past, possessions. How about this one? You're driven by the expectations of others. Have you ever felt that pressure before? Okay, now on the flip side, others are driven by priority. They're driven by purpose. They're driven by people. They're driven by principles. Everyone in this room, you, you have a motivation or something behind you that is driving you to live the life you live and to lead the way you're leading. And you've got to identify it. You've got to be able to ask yourself the question, what is it in my life that causes me to make the decisions and the choices that I do? What, what's the motivation of it? What's the, what's the drive? You see, I believe that God wants us to be people with purpose. But from that point, he wants us to be driven by his plan and his purpose. Say his purpose. Not my purpose, his purpose. And that's where significance begins to come. When we understand in Proverbs 16, 4, that the Lord has made everything, or we can make it personal, the Lord has made rich shepherd for his own purpose. You could fill in the blank. The Lord has made you for his own purpose. See, like I mentioned earlier, there's nothing that God's created that he would say, well, I didn't make a purpose for that. So therefore, there's a purpose for everything he creates, which means if you're alive, and you are because you're here, if you've got breath, you do right now, if your heart is beating in your chest, you have purpose. Everyone in this room, you're significant. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. God created you. He has something good for you. The Bible says all good things come from above. Everything good in your life is because of God. Everything. And everything bad is because there's an enemy after your soul. And he wants to mess your life up. 
And he wants you to get distracted by all of these things because he knows that God's purpose for your life is far bigger than all of the distractions over here. And that's why all of these things over here, you can fill in the blank, that's why they never satisfy you. That's why they're empty. That's why when you get it, you find out, man, that's really not what I thought it was going to be. You can go from relationships, you can go to alcohol, you can go to drugs, you can go to any type of bondage, you can go to whatever you want. People say, man, if I just do this, man, it's going to be good. Then they get it. What happens? Empty. Ah, not what I quite thought it was. And then they go on the search again. And they search for all these things, but they never look to God. Listen, you will never discover your purpose in life until you discover the God who created it. You won't find it. That, that's why people could say this. They could say, well, okay, the mystical approach to purpose. Look within. Not good. The heart is wicked above all things. Who may know it? Outside of Jesus in you, nothing else in you is good. Come on, you know where your thought life is sometimes. It ain't good. Your motives, not good. That's the mystical approach. It says, man, if you want to find your purpose, just look within. No. The survivalist. The purpose is just to stay alive, live as long as you can. Doesn't work. The naturalist. The purpose of life is just to perpetuate yourself. <laughs> the hedonist. The purpose of life is pleasure. Do whatever feels good to you. If it feels good, it must be good. How has that worked out for you? Is always my question. Did you know sin is never satisfied, by the way? So let me just get very, 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 very targeted here. Let me just talk about sexual sin real quick. Oh, it's never satisfied. Ever. That's why in our culture, even in our community today, it destroys lives. You have got to be careful what you expose your mind and your heart to. Because it will tear you apart. Because lust is never satisfied. It always wants more. It's dangerous. How about the materialist? Well, the purpose of life is the acquisition of things. You know the problem? For he who dies with the most toys, he's dead. <laughs> Respectfully, I'm all for having good things. Listen, you work hard, enjoy. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying if you get your significance from what you have, it's really not that significant. Listen, all of those approaches are about you inventing your purpose. You discover your dreams, you set and go after your goals, you aim high and achieve your ambitions. Now, those are all good things in their place, and they may bring you a measure of success in life, but being a success by this world's standards and knowing your purpose in life are not the same thing. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. It is far greater than your own happiness. I, I feel this is a phrase that I, I heard from a, a pastor, but it's like my life, 
phrase this year so far is God is far more concerned about my character than he is my comfort. <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's like, man, God, like, there's just little things he's just kind of chipping away at me. And I'm like, ah, because he's saying, I care about your character. Now, I know I may seem like coming across a little huh, ragged today or rough today, but I'm talking about your purpose today. I'm talking about the thing that could set the course for your life that can change your life and those around you. Let, let me put it to you this way, okay? We all live life at one of the three basic levels. The, the first one is what I call survival. This is level one, survival. Who, who's the people that live in the world of survival? These are the people that in life, they do just enough to get by. No joy, no passion, punch the clock, go home, no drive. I'm just doing everything that I possibly can to just simply survive, the survival level. The second level is actually success, okay? Now, I'm gonna share something with you and I want everyone to just look at me real quick, except for you type A people who are writing down the point because you're like me, you wanna make sure you get that. And I want you to hear me very carefully, okay? If not all of you in this room actually live at this level. Did you know that? To think that you live in America, number one, and along the central coast, number two, by definition would probably say you're doing fairly good. Do you know there are people in this world that would actually give anything to take your problems instead of their problems? Have you ever thought about that? You ever just get whiny about what you have and what you don't have? You can just nod your head, you don't have to raise your hand. You ever just go like, oh, it's just never enough? You ever find yourself doing that? You ever go back to the beginning where you didn't have much and ever remind yourself of that feeling? You ever done that? I was thinking about this point and I started to think about all the things that God has blessed my family with, my wife with, my boys and all this stuff. And I started to think about the fact that, man, sometimes I kind of need a little bit more and I started asking myself the question, why do I really need more? I really don't. It's not about being a minimalist, even though I kind of am to a degree. It's not about, you know, so I could get up and preach that, you know, you got to get by with just being humble. I'm not saying that. But when I started to think about those who face problems that my brain can't even fathom, like where their next meal is coming from, how they're going to pay their mortgage, whether they're going to have a job tomorrow, it starts to put this perspective in me that goes, you know what? I think I've got it really, really good. And I think I'm at that level, level two of success. I'm not in survival mode. I've been, anybody ever been in survival mode before? You can raise your hand on that one. Sometimes you need to raise your hand so you can realize that, man, you got to level two and that's because of God. But there's actually a third level that's a lot better. And the third level is really significance. Now significance is where we all need to be. Significance is to the point where we have such a purpose in life that everything that we do from the time we wake up to the time that we go to bed, we're enjoying life, we're in our sweet spot, we're making strides, we're helping those around us, and we're able to put our heads down at the end of the day and say, man, I'm living a life of purpose. Those three levels. If I was to ask you the question, what level do you sit at right now, what would you say? If you were taking notes and you had to circle, okay, am I, at am I just living in survival mode? Or you know what? Maybe I'm in level number two and 
Man, there is success. I am blessed to live where I live and do what I do. But really, the goal is level three. Is how do I get to a place where I feel and I know and I see that my life, because of God's purpose over me, is actually making a difference? Did you know that the Bible has over a thousand things to say about God's purpose for your life? Did you know that? It's a tremendous study. I encourage you, if you want to, just to spend a couple weeks looking at the different purposes that God has placed over you. And here's the thing. If God places a purpose over us, that means he's with us and he's along with us. All right, so let me just do this real quick. Let me give you five benefits of a life with purpose. And the reason I want to give you five benefits of a life with purpose is I want to instill some hope in some of you here today that are saying when it comes to purpose, man, I, I got to get this thing figured out. So I'm going to go through these very, very quick. Then we're going to answer the question. Then we're going to dismiss, okay? And I'm going to try to go and do that whole drive thing with a golf ball. Number one, the benefit of a life with purpose, number one, is it will reduce my frustration. When I know what the direction of my life is, I'm not as frustrated. If I don't know, then daily decisions become very difficult because I have no basis for making my decision. As the great theologian, Alice in Wonderland, once said, if you don't know where you're headed, any road will do. (laughs) What a theologian she was. Someone said this, we have calendars and we have schedules, but what we really need in life is a compass. We need direction. We need to know which way we're going. James 1.8 says the double-minded man can never keep a steady course. So what James is saying here is that to try to live life without a clear purpose is like driving in a heavy fog. There's a recent book, came out some time ago, called The, the Overworked American. Anybody, anybody read that book or see that book? The Overworked American. And they were talking about how Americans are overworked today and how it's, it's a really big problem. Now, I wanted to say something very respectfully. I don't think that's the real problem. I don't think it's that we're overworked. I think the real problem is the fact that we have meaningless work, meaning we're doing stuff to keep the ball rolling, but we're not in our purpose and we're not in our sweet spot. So it's meaningless. And here's the thing. Today, it's no different than in the Bible. Isaiah 49.4, I've labored to no purpose, and I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. This is Isaiah we're talking about in the Bible. Isaiah. Big deal. Thankfully, though, he got it figured out. Isaiah 26.3, God grants perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm. See, see the reality is, is peace and purpose go together. When you know your purpose, you have peace. But if you don't have a purpose in your life, then you're going to be awfully frustrated because you're going to do stuff and you're going to feel like you're not getting anywhere. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. Number two, here's a benefit. I love this one. It will increase my motivation. It decreases frustration, but it increases motivation. Here's the thing. If I don't have a purpose, then why get up in the morning? Why get up at all? Why make any effort? You see, the fact is most people just kind of drift through life from one thing to the next to the next to the next. The fact is they're kind of battered around and respectfully, they're controlled by circumstances. You ever talk to somebody and say, hey, how, how you doing? And they say, well, 
Under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. You ever heard someone say that before? I found this quote and I thought it was so good. This person said this is, what are you doing under them? You should be on top of them. Circumstances are like a feather mattress. You get underneath them and you suffocate. You get on top and you rest easy. See, when you let life dictate your purpose, your happiness, your joy, it'll suffocate you. But when you find a way to get on top and to rest easy, because you got a good God with you, amen? A good God who doesn't leave you alone, who doesn't forsake you, who is always with you, so you can rest easy on top. But a lot of people, they just kind of limp through life, just barely, barely getting by. One person asked the question, you know, how do I keep myself motivated? You ever tried to make a change in your life and failed at it miserably? Let's go hands on this one. Okay, my hands are up, both hands. This one, if I put the other leg up, I'm going to fall and it's going to look really silly. You ever ever asked yourself a question, why is it that I wanted to make a change on this and I started, but I couldn't finish? You ever ask yourself that question? I think we all have. In life, it's very easy to say I need to make a change, but it's very hard to stay motivated to change. Here's what I've learned. If you keep your purpose in front of you or you keep the goal in front of you, you will make the changes you need to make and they will eventually become consistent. Do I need to say that differently? Jesus, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. What did he keep before him? The joy. What was he facing in the moment of being beaten? Pain. No father. Persecution, denial, betrayal. But the joy that was set before him, he endured it. So it's the same for us. You want to keep up with a, a goal or some change? You got to keep that thing in front of you. You got to have something to look forward to. When we're speaking to our purpose, if you can just find your purpose, I promise you, you will have the motivation you need. Because you say, hey, when I get up in the morning, my life actually counts. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Or is it just that heavy? They teach us that we're supposed to look at the crowd and kind of gauge. And I'm like, I, some of you are like, eh? And some of you are like, uh. And some of you are like, what? Right? We've all been to that stage. Okay, here's the deal. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Here's the deal. We all need hope. Man, you can get by with a lot of hope. Amen? Got to have something to look forward to. Number three, another benefit is it will allow me to have great concentration. When I know my purpose, I can concentrate. Now, we talked about distractions last week, so we don't need to spend too much time on this one, but the reality is, is when you know what your purpose is, you can stay focused. Let me tell you how. Things that come your way, if they don't fall in line with your purpose, you just say no to. Doesn't fall in line with my purpose. A great friend of ours, a great mentor would always say, they'd say, uh, they talk about Donnie, and Donnie would just go, well, you know, people say everything I touch turns to gold. And then Donnie's response is always this, not true, I just don't touch many things. He was just good. I mean, he would joke about it. He'd like maybe five things he was really good at. So we'd always joke about him. And then you got to know him, and you're like, no, that's true. That's true. He's not, oh, he's really, really bad at a lot of things. Thank God he got some help on this. But man, there are some things that he could do really well. It's the same for you and I. You guys, the, the, the greatest lie that America will tell you is, is that, man, you, you could have it all. 
lie. You can't have it all. There's not enough time in the day to have it all. You need to determine what your purpose is and just stay focused on there. The benefit of it is it will give you concentration. See, when you say yes to something, you're actually saying no to something else. Did you know that? Because there's only so much time in the day. Start saying yes to the things that fall in line with your purpose and start saying no to the things that don't. Stay concentrated. Number four, it will attract cooperation. This is a great benefit. Listen, the world is looking for people of purpose. They're looking for someone to follow. And I think this is massively important. Look at Proverbs 127 on the screen. If your goals are good, you will be respected. Respected by who? People. People love to see people walking with purpose. Okay, number five. This one's important. It will prepare me for God's evaluation. Now, let's just review the facts of life real quick, okay? God made you for a purpose because he doesn't make anything without a purpose. Have we established that? Okay, everything has a purpose. In you personally, he has invested certain talents, certain abilities, and certain gifts. And one day, God is going to ask for a return on that. When you stand before him one day, he's going to hold you accountable to a few things. One, what did you do with his son? Was Jesus Lord of your life? That one's massively important. Because if you don't do that one, eternity is going to look a whole lot different. I'll let you fill in the blank. But secondly, he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? We're all going to be accountable to that. Now, listen, don't start getting like way too heavy on yourself here, okay? <laughs> don't do that. But if God's given you a gift, it's not just for you. It's for people around you. So you're going to be accountable to that. God one day is going to ask me, Rich, what did you do? as a man of God, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor. I'm gonna be held accountable to that. Now my eternity in heaven is only predicated upon the fact of receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, believing that he came, that he died, God raised him from the dead, and he's alive today. My salvation is on that and that alone. But my eternity and the quality of it, and that's a teaching for a whole other day, is based on what I did with the gifts he gave me. And it's the same for you. So the benefits of a life with purpose, it will reduce my frustration. It will increase my motivation. It will allow me to have great concentration. It will attract cooperation. And then fifthly, it will prepare me for God's evaluation. I told you a lot of content today. Okay, now here's the question. You ready? How do I discover my purpose? You ever asked that question before? How do I know what my purpose is? Or how about this? Have you ever been in the middle of a career or a job or something and just asked yourself, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I at where I'm supposed, has anybody ever done that before? Am I at where I'm supposed to be at? That's a big, heavy question. So what I want to do today is I want to answer this question of how do I know my purpose in a way that causes you to gain some understanding, but then to secondly, begin to consult God. Okay? 
So, so here's the three things. Here, here's how I want to go about this, okay? Here's how I'm going to answer the question, a little bit different. Everything created as a solution to a specific problem on the earth. Think about this. Your eyes see, your ears hear, your mind thinks, your mouth speaks. Sometimes more than it should, right? I'm kind of in that area where I need to listen more. Mechanics, they solve car problems. Mothers solve emotional problems and so much more. And every mom said, amen, there you go. Dentists solve teeth problems. Lawyers solve legal problems. Athletes solve entertainment problems. Ministers solve spiritual problems. Golf coaches solve really bad golf game problems. Maybe that will be what my Monday looks like. But here's the thing. Everything created is a solution to a specific problem. So the problem that you were created to solve is your personal assignment on this earth. So let me give you three things, three keys to recognizing the problem that you were created to solve. Number one, what you love the most is a clue to the problem you were gifted to solve. What you love the most. Now all of us love and are good at things. If you're gifted in the area of administration, you love to organize. If you're a gifted musician, you find your love in music. If you're gifted to work with children, you love being around children, you love to teach. If you're gifted in playing sports, you love to be part of a team. Whatever you love is gonna help point you in the direction of your purpose for the problem that you were created to solve. So your gift is the bridge to the problem. So here's the question, what do you love? For some of you, I get it. That's hard to answer. But if you went home today and grabbed a piece of paper and begin to write, what do I love? And you begin to make that list and you begin to read it over and begin to pray about it and look about it, you would begin to discover some things about the things that you love and the problem that it can help solve. So that's the first. The second is this. Different, different approach. The problem that infuriates you the most is often the problem that God has assigned you to solve. So now it could be about what I love, and if I can't answer that one, then here's my question. What, what infuriates you? What, what angers you? And the problem with that word is we, we look at it all the time and wrong, and I get it, but, but think about this. What angers you is a clue to an existing problem that God intends for you to solve. It is a signal from God to correct something that grieves him. Think about this. Anger is often a signpost in your life. It is the birthplace for change. And the scriptures provide excellent, excellent examples, okay? Think about Moses. If anybody's doing the Bible in a year, you've been in Exodus this month. Moses sees an Egyptian treating someone wrong. And what does Moses do? He goes over and beats the guy to a pulp and kills the man. I am not saying you have any right to go and hit somebody who angers you. Some of you are like, that is awesome. What did you get from church today? If you anger me, I'm going to pop you in the face, right? No, of course not. Some of you are like, man, so close. But let me ask you a question. What was Moses' problem that he solved? Anybody? Who did Moses lead out of Egypt? Yes, wrong. Moses killed person. Very bad. Not good. But Moses was a deliverer. 
when Moses looked upon injustice, something in him rose up. He was the deliverer. That was in him. And that thing, that injustice, it infuriated him. And he said, this isn't right. See, what I'm saying is, is simply this. It was a photograph of his passion. Listen to me. Give attention to those problems that unleash fury or anger. Or even if you don't like those words, I'll give you these words. A holy passion. Perhaps it's child abuse. Battered wives, drug addiction, alcoholism. Whatever it is that stirs your passion for change, it's a signal in your life. It can help you discover your purpose. Number three, maybe this one's for you. What continually moves your heart is a clue to the problem that God wants you to solve. So it's about what I love. It's about what angers me. Or maybe... It's about what moves me with compassion. Do you ever see anything in our world taking place and your heart is moved by it? My, my father-in-law's in here. He's here every Sunday because they live here now. I prayed that one into an existence. Bam. And of course, you too, mom, of course. And I remember when I was dating Vanessa, they had on their fridge, they would have all these different kids that they were supporting in other nations, poverty, and you know, a lot of you do that. And I would lead me to believe that at some point he saw something that moved him with compassion and it caused him to do something about it. Things that continually move you. You, you, you guys have heard me say this before, but, but mothers against drunk driving. How did that come about? Easy. A mama lost her kid to a drunk driver. And it moved her. She created something. There's a lady three blocks over, or three houses over, that literally Monday through Friday provides a hot meal to over 100 people in our city that are hungry or homeless. Because when she saw homeless people, it moved her with compassion. People often ask, what is City Serve all about? I'll tell you what City Serve is about. Pastor Wendell Vinson looked at the local church and how the local church was not answering the problems within a city and said, we have to do something about that respectfully because government can't do it. So the church should be doing it. So CityServe was birthed out of a man who saw people and had compassion and decided that we've got to do something about this. It, it moved his heart. What, what, am I, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that what you love, what angers you, or what moves your heart is a signal or a sign to your purpose. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media to hear more about what God is doing through our church at Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo. For more information, visit canyonhills.com.